Hi, I'm Jerry Grant, and this is the first show in a series we're calling Disc Jockey Confidential. Here on WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark, the voice of the University of Delaware. I'll be interviewing some of my fellow VUD jocks to find out what path they took to arrive here at the station. We're going to talk about their earliest experiences with music and radio and how those experiences inform their own show currently on WVUD. Today's guest is Scott Burney, the Friday host of the popular Roots program, heard weekdays on WVUD from 9 to 11. Scott has also been the leader of the Sin City Band, still one of the area's most popular live acts after low these many years. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming down. Well, thanks for having me. Why don't you describe your the current show that you do here on WVUD? Well, it's the Roots show, uh, which is, is a, a block show of, um, I think primarily it started as a folk music, um, and then as folk became more and more all-encompassing of different genres coming into it, so it's got bluegrass and it's got, you know, world music and... Um, you know, primarily kind of acoustic, although not necessarily. And, uh, of course, Chris Rewall had 60s Minutes, and I've kind of glommed onto that and sometimes, you know, just playing great old rock and roll. I think it was Louis Armstrong who said, it's all folk music, at least I never heard no mule sing. <laughs> uh, so, but it's, it is kind of all-encompassing. You know, I think sometimes we stretch those boundaries, but I think in, in this day and age, that's okay. Sure. Uh, I oh, think sure. there was a time when the block was really a little bit more regimented. Oh, no. But, I, th- I think the expansion is for the better. Yeah. I think the audience thinks that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think any music is, is pretty much, for, you know, country and bluegrass and old country and then, you know, different rock and roll and, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And we should say the Roots program is on Monday through Friday, and there's a different host Monday through Friday. So yeah. you've been on Friday now for how long? Uh, I came on April Fool's Day, 1999, which wow. I thought was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, so you're coming up on 20 years. I think I am, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Oh, thank you. I still it, think of you as a fresh face here. I, <laughs> it went by so fast, you know. It just mm-hmm. really did this. As, as I say, I'm just so happy to be playing CDs and the computer as opposed to constant. I love playing vinyl, but um, my hat's off to you guys who started with all vinyl. Uh, yes. That, the, you know, <laughs> queuing up and rolling it backwards and the whole, I just love it. But Right, uh, right. Yeah. Well, if you're in the world of, of you know, records just barely making three minutes or something it's uh it's rough you gotta that's, be that's really rough gotta be on your toes yeah yeah, yeah. not to mention fat domino clocking in like at one so short uh, yeah so, right you know they they got in and out and right. did so much in a minute and 50 seconds <laughs> right i'm sure somebody had their eye on the watch in the studio because yeah. uh, time was money in the studio oh yes but uh anyway are you delaware bred and born well uh i was actually born in um alexandria virginia but moved to Seaford, Delaware when I was, oh gosh, I guess I was four or so, mm-hmm. uh, four or five. And so I was exposed, and my dad was a minister, so I was exposed to the exact opposite of gospel music, but church music, Episcopalian red hymnal music. You sure, know? So, sure. And it was straight, mm-hmm. you know, onward Christian soldiers in Christ there is no East or West, but I loved the sound of the organ. One of my earliest memories is... Uh, uh, Ab Gunn was the director of the uh, choir, and he was the organist, and I just loved the sound of that big old funky church organ. My uncle, my mom's brother, about 10 years younger than my mom, lived with us for a while, and so 
the first wave of rock and roll was coming through him. The first Elvis albums, and the, he was a big Everly Brothers, a big Ricky Nelson. So I was exposed to all that as a real young kid uh, and loved it. And my parents are both musical and both um, very encouraging. And uh, my dad played mandolin and a little lap guitar. Oh, and my mom that? played organ, and she was very into show tunes and that kind of stuff. So it was always around and um, kind of were exposed to it all the time as much as we wanted to be. And in Seaford, they had the Delmarva Chicken Festival, so there was great bluegrass and great music coming and going all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, great. Seaford, oh, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, it was neat. That's great. And so your mom would play at home then? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, Good. we had lots of, uh, lots. You know, we had a con organ, one of those cheap, you know, out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we all just would fight to play that, you know, just and just make up songs and sound terrible. And, uh, oh, that's great. My, that... my younger brother would write plays and direct plays, and, and my older brother and I would write the music for these plays on the organ and then later on guitars, ukuleles, you know, whatever was laying around. And um, I start I, around third or fourth grade in the school orchestra, got into the flute. I, I I I love the spirit of '76 painting of the guy with a drum and a guy with a flute and a guy with the flag, and uh, my brother was already playing the drum, so I said I'll play the flute, and so I played flute up to about seventh or eighth grade. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, great, yeah, and loved it. Really, really. Do you ever bring it out? Any? I don't. You know, I traded in my last flute, which was my first flute, for a case of guitar strings years ago. And uh, I keep threat. I keep wanting to get a hold of one just just for my own, uh, for the fun of it, just to play around with, see see what I might remember. Sure. Uh, but yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that is great. What a uh, that's a wonderful that's a wonderful upbringing there. Is oh, you know. Yeah. No, I was. It was really a great. Um, you know, and and later my parents, you know, when I started playing music and said this is what I want to do professionally. They kind of, they were like, you know, I wish we never exposed you to that music, <laughs> you know, we would have broken your fingers if we. <laughs> right, right. But no, they were always very supportive. They'd sure. come out and hear the bands over the years and that kind of thing. Sure, so sure. Neat. Oh, yeah. that's great. Was there much radio in the house? Uh, it was out of Salisbury. It was country music that I remember my uncle listening to. My first exposure to Hank Williams was uh, my friend's dad had a chicken farm and the uh, farmhand had a radio wired up on a post with the Salisbury station on AM station, stock country music. And he was a neat old guy named Dick. And when uh, when that steel guitar would start in, that was that distinctive Don Helms, Hank Williams steel guitar, mm-hmm. he would start kicking at the chicks. Go, Hank's on! Hank's on! <laughs> hush up! Hush! And we didn't even know who or what Hank was. <laughs> We were six, seven years old, but we would walk around school the next day just going, Hank's on, Hank's on. We thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing. And years later, I realized it was Hank Williams and it was that steel guitar, Don Helms. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yes, yeah, so we did have exposure rate. And my mom, we moved to Kenneth Square when I was in fourth grade. And I always think it was because my mom thought that we were really turning into country hicks. You know, she loved Eddie Arnold and Years later, I told her, you know, Eddie Arnold's country. And she, no, not Eddie Arnold, you know, because he had the strings and the Nashville right. sound. She thought he was just pop. And and her mm-hmm. idea of country was Hank Williams or Hillbilly, of mm-hmm. course. Sure. Uh-huh. And, uh, 
I'd say, no, Mom, that's that's considered country. <laughs> <laughs> but did you get any formal music lessons at all? Well, uh, just in school with the flute, uh, I learned to, to read, but didn't really take, you know. But um, I learned to kind of sit and, and play what the guy next to me was playing in the little school <laughs> orchestras and stuff. But um, that was about as formal. I, and when and of course, I started getting into the guitar, watching Ozzy and Harriet, watching Rick Nelson. And with that slow blink, I thought it was the coolest thing at the end of the shows when he started playing. And I got a guitar, I guess, in 63, just before the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. And, of course, I was one of the bazillions that, as soon as they were on Ed Sullivan, I wanted to make music on that guitar. I wasn't just looking at myself in the mirror with it anymore. I really wanted to play a song. Mm -hmm. And... um, I had one guitar lesson up in Belfont from a guy named Mr. Mann, and I he wanted to teach me the way to really play the guitar, and I wanted to play it like the Beatles. So sure. I'd said to Dad, "This guy's a square," you know, uh-huh. and he was really good, and I really blew it. But uh, but and so I learned by ear. You know, we all kind of just just um, some sure. were really good at it, and and some. Like me, was not so good at it, so I immediately they handed me a bass and said, "You've got to be the bass player because you're not good enough to be the guitar oh, player." <laughs> wow! When you say your brother played drums for the the little projects you had at home, I mean, was did he take drum lessons? Or oh, was he, or? Um, he did take lessons for a little while, and he was the drummer in a band called the Diplomats in Wilmington. Uh, Eddie Welch, uh, who is a prominent lawyer in town now. And his brother John and Jeff were in my band. Uh, John's a judge, and um, and Jeff and John and Val Triani and I had our first band. But Eddie had a band called the Diplomats at Diplomats, and they ruled the North Wilmington pool party circuit. Uh, you know, junior and senior high hops and things. Mm-hmm. They were really good. And my brother played drums in that band. And I remember my brother quit his senior year of high school to concentrate on school and and i just said you fool what are you doing you're great you're not going to do this the rest of your life what's going on i'm sorry you're much too serious to be a musician (laughs) right well how about that yeah and he was good and then i guess we should go through you have you have a you have a brother who is a professional actor right Mm -hmm. yeah and he's younger than you he's a year younger than i am okay and uh he has he had the acting bug the way i had the music bug uh, as a little little kid, and uh, he won a Tony Award last year for his yeah. part in The Humans, and he was the vice president in House of Cards uh, with Kevin, uh, right? Kevin Spacey, sure, yeah. So I'm really proud of my younger brother. He's stuck with it, uh, New York, uh, but he also you know flies to Los Angeles, and his wife Connie was. Uh, Yoga Jones in Black is the New Orange or Orange is the New Black. Oh, what, wow. Yeah, she and she's a very successful actor. She was the voice of Patty Mayonnaise on that Disney animated show, Doug. And uh, oh, yeah. she she was like not the quicker picker-upper, but she was something like that in a southern diner. She's from Tennessee and has a strong southern accent, so a very distinctive southern accent. So yeah, and both their kids are are actors. They they've, you know, lived in New York all their lives. And that's your brother Reed? That's my brother Reed. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And I have another brother Diane who is a uh, shrink up in the village up in New York. Shouldn't say shrink, that might be a derogatory term. I, he calls oh. himself that, but um uh-huh. 
Yeah, he's a psychiatrist up or in Greenwich Village. In, in Greenwich Village, has a beautiful place up in the village. And uh, then my sister is out in Minnesota. Well, so there are was, five of us. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So your father was a minister, uh, and then he what was his what was his church up here? If that's the proper way to um, put it. Yeah, right? he was Episcopalian minister in Seaford at St. Luke's, and uh, Brooke Mosley, the Bishop of Delaware, had Dad come up and be his assistant. So we lived in Kennett Square, and Dad worked in Wilmington, 2020 Tattnall Street, and would go every Sunday to different churches in the diocese, the Episcopal diocese. And we were up in Kennett Square, and then we moved into Wilmington. The diocese rented a house in Kennett Square where we lived, and then they rented us a house in Wilmington. Uh, My mom got tired of driving all over the country, which was what it was in those days. Kennett Square, Uh, yeah, right, sure. And so we moved into uh, Belfont area, uh, North Wilmington, and went to Mount Pleasant. Were there record? I'm sure this is superfluous, but were there records in your house? Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots. And my older brother Gil was a great, great collector. You know everything. For, he'd have you know Phil Oaks and Motown. I mean, he'd have the, the spectrum. And of course, the golden days of AM radio. There were no genres, basically. You know, right? Uh, sure. It was just as you know. I've got uh, a tiger by the tail. Oh, you and, know, uh, just exactly. And. <laughs> and uh, Licking stick. Oh right. yeah. yeah, it was just right. it yeah. was really great. And right. so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when we moved into Kennett into Wilmington, we listened to all the top Philly stations and Whams. Of course, was always on thirteen eighty. And uh, but Gil had great taste. And I, again, when he quit the drums, it was like you know what's going to happen to your records? I have his records. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 <laughs> you know, right. Or most of them. Uh, yeah, but he just had everything. He would have it, you know, and he'd say, "Oh, this is a guy named Tim Harden. Listen to this, you know." Or, or, you know, and here's Smokey Robinson. I think you'll dig him. And, and you know, and, and he and his buddies would work out the steps in the hallway. You know, they're doing the temps and all the steps, five, six, wow. you know, little white guys doing the, sure. you know, just like, oh, look at this. <laughs> right, right, right. It was great. Oh, that's cool. Do you remember yeah. the first record you bought, like, with your own money? Oh, or? I definitely do. Um, mm-hmm. Because we lived in Kennett and there weren't any stores, we joined the Columbia Record Club you know, 10 records for a penny or whatever it was in the TV guide. Uh, right. So right, right. my, the three older brothers all split up. We each got three records and I think my mom got the, the 10th record, <laughs> yeah. but, but Reed got three show tunes and I don't know what Gil got, but my first three records that I got that I still have all those copies was Mr. Tambourine Man. This was in the summer that had just come out. Roy Orbison's greatest hits and new girl in school by Jan and Dean. So wow. those are my first three records that all came the same day. I'm not sure if I still have yeah. the Jan and Dean, but the birds, of course, was mono, and um, I've replaced it several times over. But I still have the original uh, one, sure, and I still sure. have the original Roy Orbison. It was the one where each song was a different color on the cover, and uh, oh, okay, right, and, right, and that right. was a great uh-huh. one on Monument, uh, on Monument, you know, right, yep, right, yep, right, absolutely, uh-huh. and loved, loved, you know, I, and I guess Pretty Woman was out then. Um, yeah, when I got my first record. So, but but growing up, like my uncle had the Elvis album, the RCA Elvis album, Elvis Presley, you know, whatever that yeah, one going was. Down yeah, the, right. going down the spine there. Also and, in different colors. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the Clash with London Calling later copped that right that cover. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no. So there were albums. All the Calypso, Harry Belafonte, that got played all the time. You know, around the house. Sure, and, uh, sure. Yeah. So and you know, My Fair Lady and. Various albums, but those the first three I owned were the Birds, Orbison, and uh, Jan and Dean, and and then all of a sudden 
we had records all the time. You know, the, the, we went to the beach every summer and just started taking Beach Boy singles all the time. You know, 62, you know, 63, their early singles on Capitol and everything. And, mm-hmm. and I had a little Westinghouse turntable that you put the quarter on the arm to keep it from skipping. To give you another know, pound of pressure. Give it a little bit more pressure. Right, right uh-huh. Big into the Dave Clark Five. Uh, they were my favorite British invasion band Good. initially. And then the Kinks. Um, but you know, because Gil was so into the Beatles and Stones, I had to go a different direction being a younger punk brother. Uh Yeah. uh So I, I was like Dave Clark five and Ray Davies and that kind of thing. Uh, really loved those, uh, thought, thought those first two kink singles were, you know, you really got me and all day. And Uh, I mean, I just said, it was like a different world. It was a different world. And, and Dave Davies had a little bit longer hair than the (laughs) Prince Valiant cut. And I was, wow. Look at that hair. <laughs> For years, I only knew uh, too much monkey business from from. That's the first or second album, right? Yes. <laughs> I thought, yes. Wow, well, they're going. I don't even know what they're saying. You know, yeah. it was, you know, yeah. it's just. I mean, they were. I always felt like yeah. Ray Davies just wanted to rewrite Louis Louis, you know, uh, over right. and over again. <laughs> right, as loud and distorted as he possibly could. Oh yes. Could. Oh yes. Right. Um, so that about covers radio, I guess, huh? I mean, so you're back in Delaware. Then you're back in Delaware. Uh, for your senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and you're going to Tattnall. Do you go into college? Mm-hmm. Went to New England College in Henniker, New Hampshire, and the only radio there was the little school radio, which I immediately got involved with. Uh, and it was built by a guy who went to Sanford, uh, Qu- uh, Ke- Queter, or Keeter was his name, Phil Keeter. Uh, but he built this studio, much like Dave McKenzie would later do for VUD, you know, he just built mm-hmm. it and it was a great little studio in the basement of the library and it only went on campus. Uh, it had no, no power beyond right, that, current, right. but I got involved mm-hmm. with that. And, um, and then I, I lived in New Hampshire. I kind of dropped out of college right after a semester because I got into a band that was making money. And it was great, and my dad was happy. He didn't have to pay tuition, and I'm self, I'm, <laughs> I'm supporting myself. You know, the band's living in a farmhouse, and it was a top forty kind of thing that I didn't know any better, but I was making money. And top forty in '72 and '73 was like Loggins and Messina and the <clears throat> Eagles and and right. all, Steely Dan. We played, and we played Almond Brothers, and we played colleges and frats and those kind of things. What was the name of your band? Well, up there? up there it was called Joshua Tree because Graham Parsons had just died in Joshua Tree Park, California, and we were stumbling around looking for a name the fall of 73. We, I, we saw that I didn't know what a Joshua Tree was, that it's a plant or anything sure, like that. Sure. Uh-huh. And I just thought, boy, that's a cool name, Joshua Tree. And so that's what we were, but we played a lot. It was probably the most money I ever made in music. Not fulfilling, uh-huh. Uh, we didn't do originals or anything like that, but um, so that was that was good. But I didn't, I really didn't know what was going on in the radio then so much. I wasn't listening to it, and okay, yeah. So you're up there, like so. Seventy three is this? We were up there. Um, that when Joshua Tree, when that band kind of dissolved, it morphed into the Sin City Band, and we came down here August of seventy five, and. Um, and and immediately got hooked up with Bill Stevenson. Somebody knew Bill or something like that. And so we got into the balloon right away, which was kind of Newark was ready for kind of a post snake grinder yeah. kind of a thing. We were doing sure. new riders and we're doing, you know, the country mm-hmm. dead and that kind of stuff. So we immediately 
started getting those hippie Monday night crowds out. Right, um, right, right. When the local uh, bands when got the to local play. bands got to play Monday night at the balloon. And if we had a good Monday night, Bill would throw us a Tuesday night. So we got to open up for like the really great band. Well, the, we did New Year's Eve with the boys before they became Jerry Kelly and, sure, and all the, that. The boys who and, were um, from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton area. Yep, and, they like, were the biggest band at the balloon just about. Play with them New Year's Eve, 75 to 76. But we got to play with like Sinbad and some of these really great club bands. If we had a good Monday night, Bill would say, you know, come back and open up for... Right, you know, yeah, Mother Flag Tuesday and night, Country. Mother Flag and Country, American Dream. I mean, they were great bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, they were top 40. So when you come back to Delaware, you want to start a band right away? Or, or? Well, we, we started in New Hampshire, um, and we, we had an agent up there who said, you know, if you guys get a steel guitar, I can book you all up and down the, the Moose Lodges and the VFWs and all the American Legions. So we got a steel guitar. And we played up there. We tucked our ponytails in our shirts, you know. And um, but you're still Joshua Tree with the no. New- we were we were a Sin City band then. Okay. Um, we switched over and started doing country, which was what I wanted to get into, and and writing some of our songs that that we would do little sets of originals from time to time when we were at the right college setting. But the steel player of all people actually said, "Let's move down to Delaware." He wasn't from Delaware, but he said, "You know, I." I I'm getting tired. He'd graduated from college and he wanted to get out in New England. So we said, okay. So we moved to Delaware. Was anybody else in the band at that time from Delaware? Yes. Mm -hmm. The bass player, Timmy Davis, moved up from Tattnall with me. And Baird Brittingham moved up um, from Wilmington, uh, from Delaware. And Jim Russell, our drummer, went to AI, moved up. So we we were really a Delaware band, except for the steel player. Uh So, and then we moved out to Colorado for the ski season of 75, 76, had a great time. We had a school bus that we traveled around in and um, had a great time out in Colorado and then came back and uh, have been back ever since and been playing the same stuff, you know, old country and whatever we can play. Oh, that's great. So, wow. How about that? You came, so you kind of came back down fully- Fully fledged, yeah. fully, what's the word, fully developed, whatever, yeah. right, full I mean, blown. When we first hit town, we were all moving back home. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Our parents right. like, what? <laughs> you were in New Hampshire and said, let's go national. We're yeah. going to Delaware. Let's go right. back to Delaware. Yeah, right, right, right. So. You've been, now you guys have been a successful band for years. I mean, you know, I mean, in, you're in demand all the time. Well, we, I mean, we were very lucky, uh, you know, we have a Monday night gig at the Argilla brewing company on the Kirkwood Highway, which at our age is such a wonderful thing. I'm home in bed by 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You, you yeah. play six uh-huh. to nine. They, they have a PA, they have a drum set, they have amps. We just go in and we have a nice group of people coming out all ages. Little kids come out and uh, we just played a gal's 80th birthday party. Uh, she booked us for her party uh, oh, in the wow. backyard, which was so much fun. We had played her kids' weddings in the 90s or something. But, uh-huh. yeah, so it's it's a great gig. And then this time of year we do weddings and we do um, backyard parties and just anything we get our hands on. After all this now, we haven't gotten yet to uh, how you got here to WVUD. So yeah. why don't we do that? Well, I, I was such a big fan of the station when I lived in Newark and I'm playing your show, Carl's show, way back. Of course, you know, you guys have such a, a illustrious history. So I would listen to the station driving home from gigs. And, uh, you know, I remember when John would do the Hank tribute show at midnight and I'm driving back from a New Year's Eve gig listening to Hank Williams and th- just thinking it doesn't get any better than this. Right, and, right, um, right. Mm-hmm. And so Mark Taylor 
came to the Kennedy Inn one night and said, I've just got a, I just got myself a show uh, on the Roots Block at, at uh, XDR. XDR, our, and, our previous call letters. Yeah, right. and I said, wow, you know, that is so cool. And he said, you should get, you, you would be great. You should get, come down and, and you know, intern and outturn and learn the ropes and stuff. And, you know, I never did, but I listened to his show and immediately started buying Dream Hours on his show. And uh, Lisa and I, my wife Lisa and I would come in and, and yeah, I loved it. And then, and I was good friends with Todd Tyson, who had the Friday Roots show before me. He, he had the opportunity to move to Vermont. So Mark Taylor just came to a gig or called me up and said, hey, talk to Susie Wallenberg, our great, uh, the, the head of the block, the blockhead. The blockhead, right, and, of the Roots um, program. And talk to her, and I did, and she said, you can have Todd's show. The rest is history. And I loved it. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Oh, I was really so glad it. when you came to the station. I thought, I mean, after I heard your actual show a couple of times, I said, oh. wow, this is really. Oh, I just, I've just enjoyed it so much. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and I'll get people who come up and say, I, I heard your show or I like your show. And, you know, just, uh, uh, I, yeah. I, I had your show on in the parking lot. I think I told you this and you were playing Cry Like a Baby by the box tops. Mm-hmm. And some kids came out of the giant and I, I'm sitting in the car. I, I had a, a Volkswagen and. And it's blasting. And, you know, the kids are looking at me and like, what are you listening to, mister? You know, <laughs> it was like an ad for VUD. And I said, oh, <laughs> you know, this this is the, the University of Delaware Station. This is my friend Jerry. And they're listening to, you know, 16-year-old Alex Chilton singing Cry Like a Baby. <laughs> and they're going, yeah, that, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> and I was saying, cool? This is the coolest, daddy-o. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, your show is great. I mean, I love, I, you know, I, I mean, I like, I don't really get to hear. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's important that you play, and I'm sure this is totally conscious on your part, you play whistle while you work, because I really can't, if, I'm retired now, but for me, most years, I couldn't sure. tune in the radio. Yeah. But sometimes you could sneak it in on a Friday. You know what I mean? If, if everybody's kind of kicking back maybe on Friday, and yeah. you can kind of yeah. hear it a little bit. You no, know what I mean? Uh, a few, I, I know a few lawyers up in Wilmington are listening to it, you know, they, they, I hear from them and- uh, you know, Chuck Durante every now and again sure, will sure. Uh, chip in, and uh, sure. but it's really neat. Yeah, and I just love, uh, you know, it's so nice, uh, the community and the camaraderie that you get, you know, from people. And, you know, it, it's still sort of the best-kept secret in Delaware, as far as I'm right. concerned. Uh, right, right. You know, which is not what we want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that comes. If we were more popular, there'd be— Well, that might be. There'd be some pro- could, uh, there'd yeah. be attendant problems, yeah, probably, yeah, so— yeah. I'm kind of happy with where we yeah, are. Although, yeah, that, no, you're although right. that speaks for a lot of us for our lives in general, maybe. So <laughs> I wouldn't say that too loud. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah no. But oh, you've you've really brought us up a notch, and I even though it's now it's almost been 20 years gone. I know. Oh, I can't believe it. I really, can't believe it. Really great. All right. Well, Scott, thank you very much. Um, thank you, Jerry. Yeah, and, um, I appreciate it so much. On the. The Root Show. As they okay. say, I'll see you on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> or as Pete Booker used to say on WDEL, if I don't see you, I'll see you. <laughs> I All like right. it. All right. I like it. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Jerry. Okay. So that was that was good. But I didn't I really didn't know what was going on in the radio then so much. I wasn't listening to it and uh I'll never forget we were playing a ski resort in Keene, New Hampshire, and somebody said there's a wedding downstairs, you gotta hear this disc jockey, what he's playing. And we went down there. We didn't even know disco existed. And all the people were bumping. 
you know, they're doing the bump. And I thought it was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I thought this music was kind of cartoon music. I didn't know, you know, it was before Saturday Night Fever, yeah, that sure, kind of stuff. Sure. It was the uh -huh. earliest days of it. Right, right. And it was probably classic stuff now, but I'll never forget these people bumping. And they were all from New York for this wedding in New Hampshire. Oh, okay. There's <laughs> so, yeah, they were all. That's that, what I'm waiting for you to that, say. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, I, they were all from New York. And the DJ probably came up from New York, you know, and I think they probably had a summer place there or something like that. But we took a break, and here we are kind of in our fringe jackets and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm watching these kids bumping and, and doing that whole thing. I said, <laughs> And NRBQ, my favorite band, later came out with a great song called Do the Bump. And, uh, but, yeah. Was, I'm glad you said that about they were from New York because I'm thinking, God, this, yeah. this guy was like – Big up in New yeah. Hampshire. No, that's, I, that's I not, exactly. I had not heard that. And yeah, that's okay. and, and it was years. It was mm -hmm. a while before we heard it again. You know, because it had come uh -huh. up from the city. Wow. And uh, all mm -hmm. these guests had come up from the city and were discoing and. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you're up there, like so. Seventy three is this? We or? were up there. Um, that when Joshua Tree, when that band kind of dissolved, it morphed into the Sin City Band, and we came down here August of seventy five, and. Um, and and immediately got hooked up with Bill Stevenson. Somebody knew Bill or something like that. And so we got into the balloon right away, which was kind of Newark was ready for kind of a post snake grinder yeah. kind of a thing. We were doing sure. new riders and we're doing, you know, the country mm -hmm. dead and that kind of stuff. So we immediately started getting those hippie Monday night crowds out. Right, um, right, right. When the local uh, bands got to play. When the local play. bands got to play Monday night. At the balloon. And if we had a good Monday night, Bill would throw us a Tuesday night. So we got to open up for like the really great band. Well, the, we did New Year's Eve with the boys before they became Jerry Kelly and, sure, and all the, that. The boys who and, were um, from the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area. Yep, and they what, were the biggest band at the balloon just about. Had a big hit in the early six, in the late 60s. Or early seventies, I forget. Mm -hmm. With a song called Timothy, I have the forty-five. You have the forty-five. <laughs> Did you buy it when it came out? Yeah, I found mm -hmm. it probably, and I like it like that. <laughs> whenever, whenever you have a question about name a top forty single that was about cannibalism, that That's the answer about it. is Timothy by the Boys. <laughs> Go home and check and, it out. And we got to play with them New Year's Eve seventy-five to seventy-six. But we got to play with like Sinbad and some of these really great club bands. Mm -hmm. I talk with Dave McKenzie about it from time to time. If we had a good Monday night, Bill would say, you know, come back and open up for right, you know, yeah, Mother Flag Tuesday and night, Country. Mother Flag and Country, American Dream. I mean, they were great bands. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, they were top 40. Uh, right. You know, that that would sound just like Jethro Tull or sound just like um, Springsteen. Right. Or well, some would cover would the whole, right, this whole yes. gamut of top 40 yeah. and others would like specialize yeah. in a precursor to the bands these days, which just do. Yeah. Uh, just are dedicated to one artist. What a phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> Lasting a lot longer than I thought it would. Oh, really? yes. Oh, I haven't yes. even gone out to see one yet. I already go out to see one just to see They play the whatever. Flash all the time. There's the Neil Young group. There's the Rush group. There's the Steely Dan group. There's the Three Dog Night group. I mean, they're, you know, and they do the thing. Wow. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, uh, I should probably uh, ground us here in geography. Uh, <laughs> we are at WVUD and WVUD uh, FM. HD1 Newark, voice of the University of Delaware. Luckily, we can edit this tape later <laughs> on. But um, And we're in Delaware, and we're talking about the surrounding area, uh, which is uh, we're kind of there's the tri-state, the quad state area, whatever, where uh, Newark, Delaware is at the boundary of uh, the Mason-Dixon line. When it hits Delaware, it uh, goes south, and uh, uh, Maryland is 
our neighbor there to the north is a little bit of Pennsylvania and then across the river is New Jersey. So that's that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Kennett Square, also known as Mushroom Country. If you're mm-hmm. eating mushrooms yeah, yeah, on the yeah. East Coast, you might have gotten them from Kennett Square. Wow. Okay. So 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 we just uh, quickly we went over the formation of Sin City, right? I mean, mm-hmm. do you want to? So when you come back to Delaware, it, you want to start a band right away? Or, or? Well, we we started in New Hampshire, um, and we we had an agent up there who said, you know, if you guys get a steel guitar, I can book you all up and down the the Moose Lodges and the VFWs and all the American Legions. So we got a steel guitar. And we played up there. We tucked our ponytails in our shirts, you know. And um, but you're still Joshua Tree with the no. New- we were we were a Sin City band then. Okay. Um, we switched over and started doing country, which was what I wanted to get into, and and writing some of our songs that that we would do little sets of originals from time to time when we were at the right college setting. But and then. Uh, the steel player of all people actually said, let's move down to Delaware. He wasn't from Delaware, but he said, you know, I, 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 I'm getting tired. He'd graduated from college and he wanted to get out in New England. So we said, okay. So we moved to Delaware. Was anybody and, else in the band at that time from Delaware? Yes. Mm-hmm. The bass player, Timmy Davis moved up from Tattnall with me and Baird Brittingham moved up um, from Wilmington uh, from Delaware and Jim Russell, our drummer went to AI, moved up. So we, we were really a Delaware band oh. except for the steel player. Uh-huh. So And then we moved out to Colorado for the ski season of 75, 76, had a great time. We had a school bus that we traveled around in and um, had a great time out in Colorado and then came back and uh, have been back ever since and just, you know, have, have been playing the same stuff, uh, you know, old country and whatever we can play. Right, right. Um, and that's that's you know and an old it, old rock and roll and country and it's old, been a really fast 45 years <laughs> old top 40 and uh yeah yeah we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later on okay um oh that's great so wow how about that you came so you kind of came down back down fully fully fledged yeah. fully what's the word fully developed whatever yeah right full I mean, blown. When, we, when we first hit town we were all moving back home <laughs> yeah right 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 right. our parents right. like what <laughs> you were in new hampshire and said let's go national we're yeah. going to delaware let's go right. back to delaware yeah, right 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 so oh that's that's cool so right well i i know that period fairly well i think i mean i didn't i don't think i saw you guys till later i don't think i saw you guys till like 80 or something but you uh-huh. think you started in 70 we, we started in 70 fall of 75 went mm-hmm. to colorado came back in the spring of 76 um and and just started playing all, you know, back then there were tons of, you know, the Blue Boar Inn and the Barnwood Tavern and the Buggy Tavern and Bacchus and Deer mm-hmm. Park and the Glass Mug and the Mini Mall and um, right, right. And, and spots like that. I feel like the first time um, I really met you guys was when you and BJ had I Like It Like That and we started playing the Glass Mug up when, well, you were across the street originally. Uh, or right, we were across the street originally, and then we came. And then into you the came into the this mini mall. This is a record mall. store we had. Yeah, I call it yeah. like, like that. Right. Well, I still have lots of records with the sticker, sticker on them. Yeah, yeah, people yeah, say that. Oh, it's yeah. really nice when people yeah. say that. Oh, I've yeah. got tons. Some of my favorite mm-hmm. records. You know, you buy them used for whatever you're selling oh, them for dollar ninety nine. Why we're not? Why we're not, why we're not in business anymore? <laughs> Very cheap used records. Oh, the best. You know, the best. Records bringing three or four figures now i'm sure oh, yeah. but anyway um yeah oh we yeah that's that's why that yeah i think we saw you up there i, I remember one kind of famous night that, that george third we, we right were, we happened to be 
let's let's do some name dropping. But we were with George Thurgood, yeah. who used to hang out at the record store a lot and was living in Newark at the time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was probably what do you think was it? I think that was probably seventy eight. Yeah, I think that was seventy eight. Yeah, he got up right. and jammed a couple of songs right. with us, and he knew Stevie from way before George was anybody. But he was North Wilmington, and Steve Hosner, our guitar, guitar player, player right. was North Wilmington, and friends with Gary Cogdale, who who taught George a lot of blues um, mm-hmm. songs and things. So George got up and jammed with us at uh, at uh, the Glass Mug, and that was a lot of fun. You did get uh, rhythm, right? I remember we get did get rhythm. rhythm, and we did Crosscut Saw. Oh um, wow! And uh-huh. uh, and and George didn't play; he just sang. Yeah, right, uh, right. And 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 he was feeling no pain. He yeah. was feeling good, right? And right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, and and I've had some run-ins with George over the you know very friendly, good times. You know, at the Deer Park one time, and I don't know eighty six. Um, he and Jeff Simon and a little entourage were were play we were playing the Deer Park and we had Wayne Watson drumming with us and Wayne had had a band called the Turfs in out of Claymont that was George's childhood favorite band so at the end of the night George said you know we're all talking and George says where can we go and hang out and I lived on Milltown Road at the time and so we went up there and George's checker cab was in the Newark shopping center so we we kind of caravanned over there, gave him a ride to get his cab, and there were two Newark policemen in the shopping center, and we all kind of get out of cars and into other cars, and they see that it's George, mm-hmm. and they're waving bye bye <laughs> bye bye, you know, kind of, <laughs> and we just drove up the Kirkwood Highway and hung out till dawn, and um, George was playing us all his country songs that he had. He said he. He passed a. I said, George, you know these are great songs. Have you ever thought of doing a country album or, or pitching these songs? And he goes, I handed my cassette to Merle Haggard at the edge of his bus, and I saw him hand it to the bus driver, and I saw him hand it in the bus to the uh, laundry lady, and I saw her, ha- her hand it. And next thing you know, the cassette's going out the back door of the bus. <laughs> That's a George story. Does that sound yeah. like George? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and he says, I can't make any money in country music. Then the next thing you know, Hank Williams Jr. puts, I really like girls on the flip side of uh, all my rowdy friends. Written and, by George. And, right. and Hutch told me later that George made more money off of that flip side, the publishing off of that, than anything. Because, of course, that was such an uber national hit. Until Bad to the Bone. B- until Bad to well, the Bone. Right. Well, Bad to the Bone was just coming out when 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 we that night we had with George sitting around talking and, and oh yeah because he said some famous baseball player came to see him backstage and said where's this Bad to the Bone guy? <laughs> <laughs> but what George wanted to talk to Wayne about more than anything was baseball. You know they're sitting there talking about so and so's batting record and right right right. And I remember George saying I hate the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> He liked the Mets. He liked I know the Mets. he liked the Mets. Yeah, yeah. He introduced me one time to Jesse Orozco, who was a pitcher for the Mets. Down in spring training, I had gone down with Ron Smith. Uh, none of this will ever make the air, I don't think. But to be with Ron Smith, because Ron was kind of like George's guitar right. guy at that oh, yes. point for a while. Yeah. And they were driving. It was the end of the tour. George would end his tour always in at, in spring training, uh, you know, if it was possible. I mean, and yeah. he would. And then we would hang out. And then we just drove the equipment back. <laughs> we're in a bar someplace. And he goes, Jerry, come on over. Come on over here. Jerry, this is Jesse Roscoe. <laughs> you know, Jesse, Jerry Grant. And we're looking at each other like, you know, I know, I know who you are. Yeah. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you care? Anyway. Oh, that's great. Anyway. Good. Well, gee, so you're in Newark. Okay, well, fine. So you've been, now you guys have been 
a successful band for years. I mean, you know, I mean, in, you're in demand all the time. Well, we I mean, we were very lucky, uh, you know. We have a Monday night gig at the Argilla Brewing Company on the Kirkwood Highway, which at our age is such a wonderful thing. I'm home in bed by ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, you, you yeah. play six uh-huh. to nine. They they have a PA, they have a drum set, they have amps. We just go in. And we have a nice group of people coming out, all ages. Little kids come out, and uh, we just played a gal's 80th birthday party. Uh, she booked us for her party uh, oh, in the yeah. backyard, which was so much fun. We had played the, her kids' weddings in the 90s or something. But, uh-huh. yeah, so it's it's a great gig. And then this time of year we do weddings and we do um, – backyard parties and just anything we get our hands on don't do the club so much anymore uh you know because they go late and 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 you know a lot of them are just kind of sports bars and, and yeah you know, that kind of thing they're not the clubs like they were at one time yeah the music secondary a yeah, lot of them yeah i guess yeah. as we speak i guess what the oddity bar have you ever done that place uh we did do the oddity one night and it was a good bar but it was a little bit heavy for us it was a you know yeah we were a little bit um uh, I, I don't know, you know, some of the kids in there kind of looking at us, scratching their, you know, yeah, sure. scratching their tattoos, you know, saying, what the you heck? You know, I was just going to say, there are a little too many tattoos there, which used to be, you know, kind of a good barometer these days. It's like, It could be a meeting of nuns yeah, or something, yeah. you know, I mean, oh, everybody's yeah. tattoos. But yeah, you know? no, we just, and we did play the oddity, and we played a few places around Wilmington lately, but not real lately, but um, enough to know that, you know, we're very happy with our Argillas gig, and um you know, it's it's kind of like the country store is for people too. You know, it's kind of like just this steady. You, you, sure, we always get a nice turnout. And, sure. So. Do, you, do you do open mics anymore? I don't. We don't. Um, I did those for years at the East End and loved the East End. And you know, uh, I was at the age doing the East End where I was just starting to say, you know, nothing lasts forever. You know. But up to that point, I was like, this is going to last forever. I got a bar. I can play forever. And then you get to a certain point and you're saying, eh, forever. <laughs> forever ain't what it used to be. <laughs> but when you were at the East End, though, they were doing some interesting stuff there, Oh, didn't yeah. They? I got to open up for Richie Havens, Steve Forbert, Loudon Wainwright, John Cale. Two people out of the of the um, Velvet Underground play there, Mo Tucker and John Cale. And 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 I, I was good friends and with Rich Richie and Gary who owned it, so mm-hmm. I had the opening slot, and it was great. I got to open up for all these guys three or four times. Uh, Grant Parker, um, Grant Parker twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a neat time when they were booking. You know, mm-hmm. Grant Parker played there two or three times, and I'll never forget. He said, "Y'all got a nice little joint here." <laughs> <laughs> How about some favorite shows that you saw in Delaware? Why don't we limit it to that? I mean, live shows that you experienced? I mean, the Stone Balloon, of course. Um, they had some really great shows that, that we didn't we didn't open up for them, no, but I would no, go to see. No, I just see. mean as, a, as, a, as, a, as an audience yeah, member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Stewart at the Stone Balloon and and uh, later at O'Friel's, uh, the old O'Friel's. Uh, he, John Stewart from the Kingston Trio. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and he had the hit "Gold," but he was he was really good. Um, and uh, you know, at the Grand Opera House, of course, I saw uh, one great night. A friend of mine got me right down front for the Whites, who had Jerry Douglas playing lap steel, the Bluegrass Cardinals, and Ralph Stanley. It was a, and Carl Goldstein booked that show i i found out years later mm-hmm. i saw chet atkins right up front at the grand opera house um wow. which was really neat and uh saw chris hillman at the at the queen and uh so you know it's a great area 
uh, as we know. Sure. Um, well, we'll know, see each other the, at the Bluegrass Festival every absolutely. once in a while. The Delaware yeah. Valley Bluegrass Festival. that's just Festival. a world-class right. opportunity to hear such great music in our backyard. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah. I remember. I remember watching you watch Chris Hillman and oh, Eric Peterson. Boy, oh boy! I think it was tears rolling down my face. An afternoon you know? show yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was. That was. That was fun. They were great. Sometimes it's more fun to watch people <laughs> watching is. the act. Yeah, it know? is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there have been so many great shows um, that I, you know, and and in in some small settings too. You know, just uh, uh, I, I haven't been to a show, a big concert in Philly or anything like that in a hundred years. I mean, I just like the more intimate settings well yeah right um, right right yeah there are some things up there you know we're, my, we are getting old i mean just the travel i think of the travel that we used to do mm-hmm. you know just to let's jump in the car with oh. you know 10 minutes notice and go up north of philly or something like somebody that. somebody would just walk in and say i've right. got tickets for the show in baltimore you know and yeah and halfway down i say now who are we going to see again <laughs> exactly I had an old girlfriend that used to work for these guys that were trying to uh, start a, a ticket agency, and it's it's impossible. And yeah. it's really impossible, and especially now. That it's one of the world's oh, most yeah. greedy yeah. monopolies, and it's pretty much always been that way. Except one Wilmington guy, Sig Ettinger, used to have bag and baggage oh, yes. in Wilmington. I knew his daughter, Tatnum. Lori. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so we would get some great tickets there. Uh, right. Well, these guys yeah. were trying. These guys. This is. This is now. This is like twenty years. Well, this is seventy-five, probably or something. And she, so, what they had to do was for unusual shows, they had to go buy the tickets themselves and yeah. then bring them back. And of course, you're just counting on the the oh yeah the, the original person Crazy. since you didn't take payment in advance that you went and got these tickets and now they're just tickets floating oh, around, yeah. you know. And Crazy. so we saw the spinners at the Latin ah. Casino. I mean, I never probably would have gone to the Latin Casino. If it hadn't been for yeah. these tickets that yeah. just, just there they out were of nowhere, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Scott, thank you very much. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah, and, um, I appreciate it so much.